All right. You can be excited. Uh, it is great to be together this morning. I really enjoyed uh, Pat and Carolyn sharing, so I think we'll just sit down and be done. That was enough spiritual feeding. Um, amen. So, um, you know, I, I know there was a big milestone uh, this month uh, that I saw because television brought it to me, was that something, someone turned 50 years old. And it wasn't Pat or Carolyn, although it might have been, because uh, they aren't going to tell exactly their ages. You know, but it was uh, another memento of my childhood. Star Trek turned 50 years old. You know, and... Uh, and Star Trek is not the same today as it was when I was six years old or however old I was. Um, because back then, you know, if you, you see the old Star Trek today, you go, what is that? I would never have watched that. But, you know, to a five or ten year old, I saw it was awesome. You know, it was incredible. You know, just like seeing Star Trek today uh, might be awesome, too. I, I haven't really kept up with it because... Uh, well, you know, there you go. But you remember the motto that they had at the beginning of Star Trek, right? And it said, Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise, its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Wow, you know. And they were imagining that it would go on for five years. They were hoping, right? And it has gone on for 50 years. <laughs> you know, that, that's star date, right? Um, you know, and... Uh, and so I want to latch on to that boldly going where no man has gone before as a theme for our sermon today. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's easy sometimes when you mark time. You know, uh, you know I, I was counting some days. You know, I turned 55 here a week or two ago or three weeks ago. And uh, that, that's, yeah, that's a numeric thing, 5-5. Five, five. You know, September 25th is my spiritual birthday when I was baptized. All right. And that was... 33 years ago today, you know, which, you know, for you followers of Jesus, that's how old Jesus lived. And you go, oh, my goodness, uh, that's a significant number uh, to me anyways. Um, But, you know, it always seems like every time I do something, it's the first time I've ever done it. Does that make sense? You know, like like when you have a when you when you uh, date for the first time or you get engaged or you get married, it's the first time probably you've ever done it. Right. You know, and you have your first child and it's the first time you've ever done that. You ever had a child, you know, and and you have some ideas and some work. And some don't, you know, and uh, I've shared uh, with a few people jokingly some of my ideas uh, from way back then. And they look like I'm crazy. Like when I said, you know, well, why don't we just restrain the children with duct tape? Wouldn't that be a good idea? Everybody goes, did you mean that for real? And the answer is, no, I didn't mean it for real. I thought it, but I didn't do it, you know. (laughs) Or, you know, when uh, when our son had his first shot. And uh, they gave him liquid Tylenol, and he slept through the night. And I'm like, awesome, we'll just give it to him every night. <laughs> and Jeanette said, no, we're not going to do that, and we didn't. And uh, that, that's a good thing, I think. Um, <clears throat> although that, that was pretty good, that sleeping through the night stuff, you know. Or, you know, your child goes off to kindergarten, and that's your first time, you know, experiencing that. Or they go off to high school, or they go off to college, you know, all those things are the first time, you know, or as, 
You know, you get farther in life. Every time you get to some new boundary, maybe it's losing a sibling or losing your parents or, uh, you know, losing a spouse. You know, there's going to be milestones for each one of us uh, that we, we have to boldly go where we've never been before. We have to go someplace, you know, that we, we have not experienced. Um, you know, for me, this last couple of weeks has been a lot of those things. You know, it's it's a new to us house. And so, you know, last night it was raining. The mouse, the mice all come inside. You know, and like when I heard that noise over here, I wasn't thinking gerbils. I was thinking mice, you know, and I already hear them. They're running over the top of my office. I, I caught one in the garage running around looking at me like, what do you mean? This is my house. You know, um, you know, it's new, it's new for us to be in Vermont. You know, we're we're sort of getting used to this. It's different. You know, neighbors actually come over and say hi to you. That's like shocking. You know, we don't know what to do. It's incredible. You know, people are friendly. Uh, people look at us like, you know, now, why did you move up here? We tell them, you know, because of all of you guys, that's why we're here. And they're looking, well, that's a funny thing. Um, you know, for me, I have a new position at work. And so that that's different. You know, I have new brothers and sisters, lots of them, right? I see them at Trader Joe's. I see them all over the place. You know, it's great. Um, you know, I said new neighbors. You know, it's a new situation for our family. I'm not used to having my kids be, you know, uh, several hours away. Although older kids, sometimes it doesn't really matter. They don't call you anyways, you know, but um, that's, uh, that's just, it's a lot of new stuff, you know. And uh, I think if you're human, you're always going to be in new situations. You're always going to have new physical situations, new spiritual situations, places that you've never been before, right? You know, if you haven't been here much uh, in a church like this, maybe you're not used to all this loving up on people and hugging each other, right? Maybe that's the challenge for you. You know, or maybe, you know, maybe it's uh, something good happened this week with your child, your roommate, your coworker, your family member, that special someone, your spouse. Uh, that you didn't expect. Something great happened, and that was new for you. And that, that's, that's a difference, right? You know, or maybe your, your child, your roommate, your coworker, your family member, that special someone, or your spouse did something bad this week that you did not expect. And that was a new ground for you to experience. You know, the good news is there really is someone who has been there before. You know, if you look over in Hebrews 4, I'll read it to you in verse 15. <clears throat> we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. You know, the, the exciting thing from Hebrews that I love is that Jesus is not coming back to forgive your sins. He already did that. He died once so that your sins could be forgiven. Jesus is coming back to save us, to bring us back with Him, uh, into, to complete the kingdom uh, that we are seeking, as, as Pat and Carolyn were sharing about, that we're seeking right now. You know, and you know, think about this idea of sin. Now, if you've heard sin from the Old Testament preach, you've probably heard the analogy of the arrow, right? Everybody hear that? You shoot an arrow, it hits its mark, and that was sin. Sin was missing the mark, right? And so, has anybody ever done archery? Yep. Or done shooting, you know, and you have targets to shoot at? Can anybody claim or prove that they never, ever missed the dead center bullseye? You know, never. You've never missed it. You know, not even a little bit. You know, and they're big too. The bullseyes are pretty big, even in 
Well, in some target shooting, they're pretty small, like the size of a bullet, right? But most archery things are at least bigger. And so you get credit for hitting a bullseye if you're just in that circle pretty good, right? You know, but see, in this analogy, in this, in this understanding of the word, Jesus never misses the mark. He always gets it dead on every single time. Now, wait a minute. It's not that he just followed all the rules. You know, Jesus, here's the rule list. You know, Jesus has a big rule list. He didn't miss any one of them. Now, you know, he never even came close to missing the mark. He was perfect in every respect. That's pretty different. That's different than me. You know, I, I, I miss the mark a lot. I'm not even close. But Jesus did not sin. He was tempted in every way that you are, every single way. So if you've been tempted, you know, think of the worst one or the most common one or the most frequent one. Jesus was tempted that way worse than you were. And he never, he never even missed the mark. You know, for me, I can count the ways that I've, I've been tempted, that I've sinned even just today, just this morning, just, you know, getting ready to come here this morning. And yet Jesus, fully human, fully able to sin, uh, fully able to come up short, fully able to omit something important in a conversation. He might forget to say, I love you. He might forget your, you know, he was able to do all those things uh, that we are certainly able to do. Uh, he was able to come up short in meeting the needs of other people, and he never did. He never came up short. Now, that's an incredible example for us of someone who has boldly gone somewhere that we are striving to go. You know, we're trying to make that next step in the path that God's called us to do, and Jesus has already been there. Now, you know, in your life, there's some people that give you good examples. You know, they're good examples for you. You know, I mean, for me, Jeanette is a great example for me. You know, she's considerate, she's compassionate, she's thoughtful, she's prayerful. Those are all things that I'm not really, okay? If you know me well enough, you know, I try, she helps me, but uh, she's a living example of someone who has been transformed to be that way. I mean, and I think we all were in that transformation process and that change process. You know, um, I, I really am much different than what I was when I first started studying the Bible. You know, I hated Christians. I was a violent person. I was angry. I yelled. You know, lots of things that, uh, that hopefully are, are, are uh, in the rearview mirror, at least to a large degree. But, uh, you know, we are in the process of being transformed in this journey of going somewhere uh, that we're on our way. Turn over in your Bibles to Mark chapter 12. We'll really go there this time. So I think I have a couple points, but I forget what they are. So we'll figure them out in a minute, exactly what the points are. You know, the answer to this, this challenge is really simple about, uh, about in, in Mark in verse 12, in verse 28, it says, One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. 
To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. You know, so the, the most important commandment. Well, someone told me that there's over 600 commandments in the Old Testament. And so Jesus just boiled the first part down. This is the most important one. You know, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You know, sometimes you need a simple rule to guide you. You ever been like that? You know, have any of you ever driven in a place where they drive on the wrong side of the road? I go to England. The first time I drove in England, I had my left-hand drive car. It's my car. We drove over there. And you get off the ferry, and all of a sudden you got on the ferry on the right side, you get off on the left. It's like, it's different. It's totally different. And, you know, and so it's easy, you know, for me the first time it was after midnight. And so I was very grateful that driving on the wrong side of the road came at a time when nobody else was out driving. But, you know, there's another story that goes along with that. It wasn't a great time. We ended up meeting the auto club guy at 1 o'clock in the morning to help us change the two flat tires that we had. Um, but uh, they, they stack bricks on the side of the shoulder, and the shoulders are made out of brick, and they just sort of blend in. So if you hit the bricks, it's just not good for the tires. But the rule is that if you get in a panic, you take your left tire and you put it on the left curve. So if you can just remember that when you go to England or to Australia uh, or any other place that they drive on the wrong side of the road, that will be a life that will be a lifesaver for you. It, it was a lifesaver for me. You know, I, I had a great time going in that rotary in front of Buckingham Palace. Left tire, left curb. You know, that was my rule. You know, that that helped save me. You know. I have another rule when I ride my motorcycle like across the country and I'm, I'm sort of strapped for finding something to eat. I, I come by this rule the hard way. Never eat prepared food at a gas station. Amen. Never. <laughs> never. Sandwiches, hot dogs, anything that has mayonnaise or something on it, never eat that out of somebody else's refrigerator. Uh, and, you know, and those little things that turn, when oh, the hot dog. Yeah, no, never... Don't ever touch those. You know, you don't, they could have been there a, you know, a week, a year. You know, nasty. So that's a good rule. You know, having that rule uh, to remind myself not to eat things that would be bad for me. So Jesus gave us a rule. Most important commandment. Love God in your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And what you decide to love, what you decide to feel strongly about, and what you decide to think about, and what you decide to put your energy into. You know, how does that guide your path day to day? You know, this is a little more difficult. Have you ever seen this WWJD? That's a popular thing. You know, people have it on their windshields and on their jewelry and other stuff. You know, what would Jesus do? What, what What thing would Jesus do? That's important, but love God with your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. You know... Am I loving God with everything that I'm doing in this particular situation? You know, it's much harder to think about, is this action, is this thought, is this emotion, is this thing I'm doing, is that, is that loving God or not loving God? That's a, that's a higher standard. That's a more challenging standard than, well, what would Jesus do in this situation? 
No, that's a good place to start. It's like not eating you know, gas station food. Good start. doesn't really drive all my other behaviors, but it's a good way to stay out of trouble. I'm really thinking about it. And then Jesus goes on. He says, well, okay, the second most importantest commandment. Number two, importantest. Like that? I throw that in. Number two, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, that neighbor thing was important to Jesus. You know, he told us a story of the Good Samaritan. You know, because it was this Pharisee he was talking with who was trying to get out of this love your neighbor. And he says, let me tell you this story, you know, about the Good Samaritan. You know, and so who was a good neighbor was the question. You know, this neighbor, idea of loving your neighbor was very important, you know, to, uh, to Jesus. So what are some things that you might do to, for yourself that shows love for yourself? You know, I was thinking about it. I eat, you know, not from gas stations, right? I eat food that I like. You know, uh, I make sure I take care of myself. You know, I rest. I sleep. I try to get some sleep, you know, every single day. You know, if I forget, I get, I, I'm forced to catch up. You know, I like to watch the Patriots, you know, on TV. And I'm so fired up that I can actually watch, you know, the Patriots on TV, I think. You know, <laughs> you know, uh, Pat, I know my struggles more because the Broncos just aren't on quite as often. But um, they did get that last game last year. That was a little rough. But um, anyways, that's, that's uh, going off there. So I do things that, uh, that I look out for my own interest. You know, in Philippians 2 even says, Paul says that everyone looks out for their own interests. Right? So I know that all of you guys look out for your own interests. It's, it's Okay. You're expected to do that. Paul said, I only have one guy, Timothy. He doesn't always look out for his own interests. But, you know, we, we look out for our own, our, own, our own interests. And so Jesus felt really comfortable and say, well, just love your neighbor like you look out for your own interests. You know, take care of them the way you would take care of yourself. Yeah. Wait, but, 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 but I look out for my best interests. I take care of myself the best. Jesus says, take care of your neighbor like you would take care of yourself. So not just look out for some of their interests, but do things that are in their best interest. Mm, boy, that's, that's a little tougher, you know. That, you know and, and really the question is even, so how do I do on this neighbor thing? How am I doing on looking out for my neighbor's best interest? You know, maybe you're in the, in the uh, Pharisee camp going, well, who really is my neighbor? Well, you've got some scriptures to read there. Just go read about the Good Samaritan and Jesus will, will get after you. You know, and it's funny because Paul and James, in their, in their books, they, they, uh, they even boiled it down a little farther. You know, so if you look over in, uh, in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13, the, uh, the, uh, the second point, what was my first point? I had a point there. I'll give it for you if you take a note. Oh, you've never, you have never been there before was point number one. Point number two, and the, and the last point is, live long and prosper. God has a plan for your life. All right. All right. So we're, gonna, we're, we're circling the drain on this, on this Star Trek theme here. <laughs> All right. So Galatians chapter 5. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command... Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you'll be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so that you are, do not do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. <clears throat> Just stop there for a minute. You know, so this idea is that uh, we love our neighbor as ourselves. So what was going on in Galatia? You know, it's an interesting church. They were, you know, if you look at the beginning and the end of this passage, uh, they were having a big controversy about whether you should be circumcised or not. You know, and so uh, that was a big issue for the guys, for sure, um, an important issue. Um, but they were really struggling with this idea of, you know, of should Judaism come in and really take over what they were doing? And he said, you know, no, it's just it's fulfilled by one thing. Just love your neighbor as yourself. You guys are in the midst of devouring each other, fighting over this or fighting over that. Just love each other. It's interesting, you know, that he really dug in there, gave them one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. And he goes on here. He says the acts of the of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, Fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. You know, it's interesting. Anytime you read Galatians 5, it gets really quiet. (laughs) Is he really going to dig in on this? Well, this is really about love your neighbor as yourself. You know, you wouldn't let somebody do those things to you. Like, you wouldn't do any of those things. You wouldn't say, okay, I think I'm going to debauchery, impurity. I'm going to let somebody do witchcraft, discord, hatred, rage. You know, you wouldn't let those happen to your best friend. They're not in your best interest. You wouldn't let, shouldn't let those happen to your neighbor. You know, that's the warning there, that if that's what it's like around here, that's not a very neighborly place, right? You're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. But, you know, he says it's obvious. Are any of these things not obvious? Any of those like sneak up on you? <clears throat> rage? Ever ever been rageful? I used to be rageful, so I know that's one I know pretty well. You know, and so I think I may have shared this when I did communion, but I, I poked holes in walls in my fraternity. I get mad, I just boom, you know, and I put a big hole in it. And then on Saturday morning or Sunday morning, I would be fixing the hole in the wall that I made, you know. So I know what rage looks like. <clears throat> that's not pleasant. All the rest of these are are not pleasant. You know, he's warning us, you know, these things are like fire. Now, have you ever burned yourself in a fire? Yeah, once or twice. You know, kids, my kids did it. We'd say, don't put your hand in the fireplace. Don't put your hand in the fireplace. Don't put your hand in the fireplace. And then they put their hand in the fireplace. They go, ah! And then you didn't have to tell them anymore. Because they remember from then on, I'm not putting my hand in the fireplace. It's hot. It hurts. You know, these sins are things, they're like the fire. You know, so you can, you can, can you sin like that? Oh, sure, you can sin like that. Can you come back and, and, and be saved? Absolutely, you can come back and be saved. If you keep getting in there and keep getting burned and keep getting burned and keep getting burned and keep getting burned, what happens to you physically if you do that? You die. You know, you're not going to make it. You can't get burned, you know, all over your body or hundreds of times and uh, survive. Same way spiritually. If we keep going back to these types of spiritual sins, uh, over time we'll perish. I think the warning here is to stay back from those. But the good news is, he continues on, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. 
Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its excuse me, flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. No law against these things. So there's no regulation, there's no rule. These are things I think that Jesus would do. I think these things are consistent with what God would do. You know, you think about it, have you ever been, you know, talk to somebody who says, you know, Larry, I'm really tired of you being so joyful. Could you please knock it off? It's just driving me crazy, you know. You know, or maybe, you know, you say, you know, that whole thing of peace, you know, I'm anxious, you're peaceful. Could you just quit it? I'm tired of you being so peaceful around me. Or, you know, kindness. Is there a limit to kindness? You know, you ever like you mess up for the 10th time and your roommate, your friend, your coworker says, that's all right. It'll be okay. Ooh, really? (laughs) Awesome. You know, or gentleness, you know. Somebody's gentle with you. They're nice. They're kind. Or even self-control. You deserve it. You know, isn't it great? And this may have never happened to you, but you get pulled over for doing something wrong by a police officer, and uh, they they decide to be gentle with you and just give you a warning or just say, just don't do that again. You go, then they go, oh, come on. I really want the ticket. Just give it to me. I got a laugh in Shelburne at a little sign in town that says, you know, full stops are free. Well, you know, partial stops or rolling stops are $162. <laughs> like, okay, I get it. I, 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 you probably, if I do that, you probably will not be gentle with me. You know, so how do you know if the Spirit of God is alive in you? It's these things. These are what we ought to be looking for in our lives. You know, is this a fruit that I'm seeing, that I'm working on, that's growing in me? This idea of loving people, this idea of being joyful, this idea of being full of peace, this idea of being forbearing and kind. Is that how people know you? Are you a kind person? Are you a gentle person? Are you a forgiving person? Are you a joyful person? Are you a loving person? Um, that's how we know when God is getting in there. That's how we know when we're letting God's plan for our life start to take over and take control. You know, there is there is no law against those things. You can't, you know, in their example in Galatia, you can't have somebody come from Jerusalem and tell them to stop that. You know, this obedience to law is not is not what's up there. You know, they were just keeping step with the Spirit. And he said, stop provoking and envying each other. Just do these things. You know, these are the easy things. These will allow you to live long and prosper if you focus on these things. You know, it says, goes on in, in, in chapter 6. He says, brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in a sin, have you ever been caught in a sin? And I didn't dig into that. I don't know if that means that they're stuck in it or if it means they got caught. It probably means they're, they, uh, they're stuck in it, you know, <clears throat> as opposed to physically caught in it. If someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Now, is that you how you feel? Or is it, well, you know, Chris did this, and so that's just who he is. He'll never get over that sin. That's just his character. You know, hopefully not. I'm just picking, <laughs> picking on the front row here because it's easy, right? <clears throat> but, you know, you think about that. This whole idea is, if someone's caught in sin, we should restore them. 
I think almost this idea they're still in a sin. We should go and restore them, pull them back, bring them in. It's almost like someone falls in and is drowning. You go, okay, the way you swim is you kick your feet. And then you put your arm over the other. You know, that's not really what you want to hear when you're drowning. You want somebody to reach in and just grab you and yank you out. You know, like what Mike was talking about last week. You know, Peter wasn't saying, Jesus, he was really happy. Teach me how to walk on the way. He says, just grab me and pull me out. That would be awesome at this point in my life. You know, that's what we're looking for. We want to be restored from the sin. You know, but it says you've got to be careful because, go on, it says, but watch yourself, or you may be tempted. You also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks that there is something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. But whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. You know, this whole idea, like I was saying, about restoring somebody caught in sin, the goal is that we get the brother or sister out of sin. That's what we all want, is not to mark them, punish them, label them as that person, that, you know, Peter, you're that kind of person, or, you know, you're always going to be like that. You know, you think about it. If somebody said about me, Peter is always going to be like that. He was like that in kindergarten. He's going to be like that forever. There's absolutely no hope for him. Wow. Well, okay. That rage, rageful, breaking holes in the walls person uh, would probably still be like that. <clears throat> you know, we would still be the way we are, except someone went ahead of us. Someone had a vision of what we could become. Jesus had a vision of what we were going to be before we ever were even having a hope of that. He died on the cross so that we would have forgiveness of the sins, so that we could repent of the sins, so we could be part of His kingdom, we could change, we could have the hope and promise of eternal life, while you still were stuck in the sin. See, He had a vision for each one of us, and He's calling us, I believe, here to have the same vision for other people, whether they are not yet Christians and stuck in the world or whether they're Christians and stuck in their sins. God wants us to have the vision to pull people out of that sin. And not that we're anything. You know, he says, if you think you're something, does it really say, does it say something? If you're something, well, I think we all think we're something. I'm something. I'm something. You know, he said, even, don't even think you're anything. <laughs> okay. God's the anything, you know. We, we're afraid to go out the door. God, Jesus has already crossed over ahead of us, you know. Um, you know, even, are my actions good? I'll just compare them to what, you know, somebody else is doing. No, don't even do that. Just don't compare them to the actions of others. You know, just do what you, just do what God wants you to do. He says, don't get deceived. Just, you know, people are going to, they're going to reap what they sow. What the heck does that mean? Anybody here ever reaped? Really? Reaped? Okay, good. 
Not many of us. Well, you know, I go to the grocery store sometimes to reap <laughs> corn, you know, corn, you know. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, so picking out of the garden is reaping, right? Sowing and reaping, this idea of planting and receiving back. What you plant is what you get. If you plant for the sinful nature, you know what you get? Destruction. That's what it says. You get destruction. And if you plant with the Spirit, you get eternal life. And so the challenge today is to keep on planting good, to keep on believing in each other, to keep on believing that the power of God has the power to change people. You know, don't become weary in doing good. That's the only thing that he's calling you to do is love your neighbor as yourself. Do not become weary in doing good because what? You will reap a harvest if you don't give up. My challenge to us is don't give up. Yeah. Yeah.